Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. When my daughter Julia was a teenager, I learned something really, really important about how to support someone's autonomy. She had decided that she was not going to go to school, and we had had a lot of other difficulties in her life, and we came to this place where I had to ask myself, how important is it that she go to school? And number two, I can't make her go to school. So I asked myself this question, what if she never goes to school again? What does that mean for her? And what does that mean for me? Taking this behavior all the way to the end of the road like that made a huge difference in how I supported her autonomy in the future. What is autonomy support? Autonomy support is all of the things that we do as a parent that allow our kids to have some say in their lives. It's how we ask them to do things. It's the rules we create. It's the environment we create. It's how empathetic we are. It's all kinds of things that help a kid feel like they have a say in their lives, that we're not trying to do all of the controlling or just letting them run free and not having any kind of interaction with them at all. So when Julia decided that she wasn't going to go to school anymore, I had some things that I had to figure out within myself first. And all autonomy support, which is going to really help our kids' motivation, All that work we have to do to create autonomy support is work that we have to do within ourselves. So first of all, I had to ask myself, okay, what if she doesn't go to school ever again? And I thought, well, there's some things I don't provide for kids that don't go to school. I'm not going to provide a cell phone if she's not going to go to school. And if she's going to stay around the house, I'm not going to interact with her and and entertain her. I've got things to do while she should be at school. And so I'm just going to go about my life and live my life. And so when I would talk with her, I found a way to stay calm because I had accepted the fact that she might not ever go to school again. And so I was able to say, here's my policy, Julia. I don't give cell phones or provide cell phone service for kids who don't go to school. So on that day, I'll just turn your phone off and then you can start again the next day and we'll just reset every single day. It was important that her consequences weren't something that were really long-lasting. It was important that every day she had a chance to reset and figure out what she wanted to do with that day. The other thing I had to do was to get inside her head and try to understand why it was she didn't want to go to school. School was difficult for her. She didn't see the point in it. She thought she was never going to go to college. And so she was frustrated because the school she was going to, she hadn't made friends at yet. It was also a small school. And part of autonomy support is acknowledging those real things and real reasons why kids who don't want to do what we're trying to get them to do. So I had to acknowledge that, yeah, you don't have friends there. That probably stinks. And yeah, you don't see the purpose of school. I think it's important because, and then I would explain my reasons and my rationale for it. And that was another part of autonomy support was having rationale, having reasons why I wanted her to go to school. Not just so that she could learn math, but also that she could learn social skills so that she could get a degree that would help her to get better paying jobs. And so she could learn to interact with teachers and other adults. There were a lot of reasons that I wanted her to go to school that weren't your typical reasons. 
The moment that I let go of the pictured outcome that I had in my head of her going to school and graduating and doing this without a lot of hassle, the moment I let go of that outcome and realized that that might never happen, it created for me a position of power and calm. I was no longer hijacked by this need to make it turn out my way, and therefore I stepped out of the power struggle with her. I was able to figure out my own policies, be happy with them, and then move on about my day. Of course, the first few days we implemented this policy, she didn't go to school and I simply turned her phone off and went about my day and did what I needed to do. I found myself um, creating errands and going out of the house so that I didn't have to interact with her at the time so that she could see that I was busy in my day and she could do whatever she wanted during the day. It didn't take long before she got bored being home all day with nothing to do, and so she would try going back to school. But that brought up some difficulties. It was still hard for her to go to school, so we would have to work through those. And day in and day out for the first couple of weeks, she would go and then not go, go and then not go. She finally kind of got tired of the pattern and said to me, Mom, I really want you to just make me go to school again. It was way easier when I could just, when I just knew I had to go to school and there was no question about it. But I wasn't willing to do that. She needed the autonomy to figure this out for herself. And so she created for herself a little plan that would help her get to school most days without even thinking about it. She created a morning routine that just got her up and dressed, whether she was going to school or not. She created little notes to remind herself why she wanted to go to school. And she figured out a way to get herself there. Now, it might not have turned out that way. She might have decided never to go to school again. But if I had policies in place where I was okay with that, then I can move about my life and she can move about her life. Things don't always turn out the way we expect them to turn out. And what I learned from Julia is that autonomy support and how we go about getting our kids to do things makes a huge difference. She was really, really sensitive to autonomy. Anytime her autonomy got stomped on, it was like an automatic trigger, almost like a fear response, where she would just rise up and, and battle against it. And so I became really good at understanding what kinds of things stomp on people's autonomy. And I also learned some skills for how to present what I needed them to do that doesn't stomp on their autonomy. The first skill is empathy. We've got to be able to get into our kids' shoes. All behavior makes sense. And if your kid's behavior doesn't make sense, then you haven't stepped into their shoes enough. I like the idea of guessing why they might not want to do this particular thing. And I like making up some kind of crazy examples to help them see that I'm okay with entertaining crazy. Maybe this is just the way it is. Maybe you don't want to go to school because someone's abusing you there. Maybe you don't want to go to school because you have a crush and he likes somebody else and it's just really hard to be there in the same room with him liking somebody else. Maybe you don't want to go to school because you don't like the drive and the music that we listen to on the drive. Maybe you don't want to go to school because you believe you'll never graduate and it makes you scared and anxious to go there. Maybe you don't want to go to school because your teacher eats corn nuts and they smell up the room and you don't like that smell. When we get creative with the ideas that can make our kids' behavior make sense, then they start seeing that we're okay with some of those ideas and they start trying to say, that's not why, that's not why. 
And then they want to tell us why so that their behavior begins to make sense. When you start really figuring out why they don't want to do that thing, then we have something to work with. Another really important part of honoring a kid's autonomy and supporting their autonomy while you're trying to get them to do what you need them to do is to just be really clear about what's okay and what's not okay. If we don't have boundaries, kids don't have anything to bounce up against and they need something to bounce up against. It's their job to bounce up against the boundaries and it's our job to hold on to the boundaries. Maybe not a fun job, but it's a part of our parenting job. So if we can say not only just what's not okay and rules against things, but also what is okay. It is okay if you go to school and don't pay attention as long as you're not disruptive. It is okay if you go to school and get bored. It is okay if you go to school and not really like it and not have it be your favorite thing, but you go anyway. It's not okay to stay home and then badger me about your phone. That's not going to work. Another really, really helpful thing is to provide rationale for why you want them to do the thing in the first place. And this takes a lot of personal awareness. Sometimes we think we want our kids to go to school just using this one particular example as because that's just what people do. Like everyone just goes to school. They're it's just a should, like everybody knows this. This is not rocket science. Everyone just goes to school. That's what you do until you're 18. But it's not what everybody does until they're 18. Why do you want this particular kid to go to school? Do you want them out from underfoot because they're annoying? Do you want them to gain some skills? Do you want to be seen as a good parent because you got this difficult kid to graduate? Do you want to attend a graduation and this is your only kid and your only chance to have that happen? There's a lot of reasons that are personal why we want our kids to do things. And then there's a lot of reasons that are futuristic why we want our kids to do things. We want them to be prepared for their lives. And we think that this is going to do it. So providing kids some rationale so that they can get inside our heads and understand what we're thinking helps a lot. They don't even have to agree with our rationale. But at least if we give them rationale, they don't think we're coming out of the blue and just taking it as a personal attack on them. It's not that we're trying to get them to do a particular thing. It's that we have a rationale and a reason for why we think this is a good idea. And then our behavior will begin to make sense to them because now they have a rationale for it. It's also a really good idea when you're trying to honor someone's autonomy to acknowledge their emotions in the matter. Maybe it's really boring for them. Maybe school makes them anxious. Maybe they feel left out and they, that's, that's a really sensitive feeling is to be left out. They don't feel like they belong there. Trying to be a good listener when you're talking about the situation and trying to understand what their emotions are about it can be really important and not trying to dismiss those emotions like, no, it's not boring. If you just try, just say, yeah, it sounds like you feel bored when you're there. Another thing that we can do is offer as much personal choice as possible in whatever situation it is, and use autonomy supportive language. Instead of, you should, you have to, you must, try things like, I wonder what you'll choose. Well, what's your opinion? Well, how do you think this might work out for you? What do you think would be would work out the best? Or when our kids were little, we used to say, it's up to your mind. Another thing that we can do to create this autonomy support is to remind me of my autonomy. Remind me that I do have a choice. 
or if I don't have a choice, that I have a choice in how this comes about. Maybe I have to go to the dentist, but maybe I have some choice about how that particular dentist appointment goes. Reminding kids that it's up to you or you don't have to do this helps them to make it their own choice. Another thing that really helps me as a parent to honor the autonomy and support the autonomy of my kids is to let go of the outcome of how I think it's supposed to look or how the outcome is supposed to look. Sometimes I get this white picket fence idea of how a particular situation is supposed to turn out. And if I can let go of my white picket fence idea, it goes way better because now I'm not trying to make this outcome happen. I'm actually looking at the real situation and what's really happening, and then we can move forward and problem solve from there. Why, as a parent, is it so important for us to learn how to support the autonomy of our kids? It's because without autonomy support, our kids feel pressured and squished to do things, and then they either just comply or rebel, rather than making it their own choice, their own thing of what they do. It affects their motivation. It affects the amount of it, and it affects the quality of their motivation. So as a parent, learning to support someone's autonomy while we require them to do things really, really matters. I like to think of autonomy support as somewhere in between permissiveness and controlling. When we're permissive, we just take the situation and go, I just... I just can't do this anymore. I don't care anymore. Whatever. Do whatever you want. And they just do whatever they want. When we're controlling, we're like, no, this is the way it's going to be. I don't care what you think, say, feel, or do. This is the way it is. I'm going to hold a bigger stick or a bigger carrot over you until you do this thing that I need you to do. Autonomy support is not either of those things. It's not permissive and just letting kids do whatever they want. And it's not controlling and making them do whatever we want. It's having a dialogue. It's understanding what's going on from their point of view. It's them understanding what's going on from our point of view. And in this dialogue, it's making clear boundaries and clear requests. And then when the dialogue is over, just implementing those boundaries. Sometimes one of the best things we can do is stop talking and just take simple action, our own action, to change our own behavior or to change the environment that will then encourage this kid to make changes in their behavior. One of the things we can ask is, what is it about this kid's environment or about my own behavior that makes them think that doing this thing or not doing this thing is okay? Why do they think it's okay to not go to job? Why do they think it's okay to not do chores or do these things that I need them to do? What makes them feel entitled to not have to do these things that contribute to our household or to prepare themselves for their own future? Answering that question can help get inside their head and help us see that there are changes we can make to the environment and to our own behavior that will make it more likely that they'll be motivated to do the thing that we need them to do. Parenting is a hard job. It lasts forever, it's always changing, and it's something that we're not really trained for except for just in the example of the way we were raised. So actively learning new things like how to support autonomy and motivate our kids or help our kids be more motivated on their own because of their environment is a skill that we have to learn and practice. And our efforts in learning and practicing new parenting skills really make a difference in our home. 
I want to close with what Hayam Gano said about creating and being the climate in our home. He's a parenting expert and a psychologist and also would teach teachers how to create environments in the classroom. He said, I've come to a frightening conclusion that I am the decisive element in the classroom. It's my personal choice that creates the climate. It's my daily mood that makes the weather. As a teacher, I possess a tremendous power to make a child's life miserable or joyous. I can be a tool of torture or an instrument of inspiration. I can humiliate or heal. In all situations, it is my response that decides whether a crisis will be escalated or de-escalated and a child humanized or dehumanized. Supporting our kids' autonomy by allowing them choices, by understanding where they're coming from, by explaining where we're coming from, by giving them a say in their own lives, makes it more likely that our kids will engage with us, that they'll engage and cooperate with the household and, and making it run well, and that they'll engage with their own futures to prepare themselves for what it is that they need to do in the future. Autonomy support is hard work but it's so worth it. And it's internal work. It's work we have to do inside ourselves to figure out how to hold space in a positive, calm way, to figure out how to allow our kids to make their own choices, but to create an environment where those choices will help them to cooperate in the present and build their own futures. Cheers. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.